Welcome to a special Here's the Pitch. It's special because one, if you listen to it, now you can see it. And second, I've been trying to get this gentleman on the show for years. I've, I've begged to be on for years, Have candidly. You? Martin Kilcoin. That's the, the voice of Martin Kilcoin, which you don't hear as much now. And that makes me sad. Oh, you were a big fan of the radio show. We were just, I had, I had lunch with some friends of mine just now. And we were talking about hold on, you. Hold on, hold on, Brad has friends. I have, sandwich, I have friends who just like to eat sandwiches. And um, we liked your style because we don't think you take sports too seriously. We don't think there's a lot of analytics that come up in a Martin Kilcoin radio broadcast. <laughs> that's Maybe fair. your partner is, but, that's but that's what we enjoyed about um, kind of the shows you've done before, you and Charlie, you and Frank, uh, and we miss it. So what happened? Why are you not doing What happened? Thing? Why are you not? Let's get a show. Is this Dan Caesar here? Like, what happened? You know, the radio business is crazy. You know that. So I just decided to, I took a 20. And uh, it was fun. I love working with Charlie. He and I are real tight. I love working with Frank. We're very different people. They're my is, friends. They're my friends. They're my friends. Which is probably why I work with me and Frank, is we kind of view things sports-wise a little differently. And um, it was a lot of fun doing it, but it's fun not doing it. Is that fair? It's fun not doing it? I don't want to say that Brad doesn't have a big-time operation, but if I move too much, I might knock the camera. So I have to contain myself so and my enthusiasm. Again, again, I should mention, because most people listen to these, but this is an attempt now at a video podcast. Yeah. My first, Martin is the uh, guinea pig here. There he is. You I don't know what, what camera two camera shoots he's got a crew of like 14 people this is crazy you we're at fast eddie's bonaire by the way we should, right out of the gate we're at fast eddie's bonaire you should be here we're in the outside area on this particular day we're looking at a weekend where it's about to be 60 degrees live music seven days a week i had a fat eddie burger half pound burger am i going to get paid for this no appearance? you're not no i am all i ask i brought my mom my I mom's over mom here uh, Fast Eddie's is great. I've come here a lot. But you had me. People were asking me. So what happened? Why every time Martin did a read for Fast Eddie's was there the full Stravager? And I sort of felt like I helped your your advertisement. You did. You did. As I came out here with my wife, and I enjoyed a beer or two. I ordered a a chick on a stick. I ordered a burger. I ordered the peel and eat shrimp. Um, and then you kept going to start. And then I went back and literally had every piece of meat that they could offer. And you said it's sort of like. That sounds like the full Stravenger. I told Eddie about the, I love it, man. I love it. Start calling it the full Stravenger. And I said, Can we? It's a thing. But it's only really a thing between you and me and your lunch friends that you purport to have. Well, and the six or seven people that listen to your radio show at that time. That's true. That's true. Um, You know what's amazing? And I'm being serious. When you get out of doing a show, wherever you happen to be working, and there's times you're there and you're like, hey, coming up next, we got the greatest guest. And then Frank and I say something really funny or interesting. And you just kind of wonder, like, well, did anybody hear that? Did it resonate? And as soon as I leave the show, everybody's like, where'd you go? I listened every day. I'm like, you listen? They're like, what happened to the show? Like, and then you find out, like, oh, maybe I should have stayed. And probably some of the things you say, you probably would, like, wish you'd take back when you see Oh, that. all the time. All the time. Um, so you're, you're at KTRS doing some kind of fill-in stuff, call-in stuff. Um, scoops with Danny Mac. I've told you my favorite. I, I, Danny is a funny guy. And with you and him together, um, you brought out his personality during the mailbag where you guys never took mail. We don't really read the mail. I did, it's weird. Dan's like, we're doing a mailbag. I'm like, is there any mail? So, but this is kind of the way, I, I enjoy like the way that you're doing this because it's, you're at the point where you just can do what you want, right? And that's, 
kind of the scoops with Danny Mac model. You go out, basically sell your spots. I don't want to get into the weeds of how the business works. Well, Dan's a great businessman, first and foremost. Yes, he, he no, he is. But Dan's no, a, I'm being serious. Dan's a great businessman. Just so anyone knows, I'll text him during the game about something that happened in the game, and then I'll just say, that's a scoops with Danny Mac. He's like, oh, big bucks. Big bucks flying no, in, Dan. I'm sure Dan is a great businessman, and the way I view his site, let's just say he's the paper, I'm a columnist. And so I'm a columnist who occasionally pops up on the site and say, like, hey, what's Martin got cooking today? And we've been able to do some great segments. It was LaRusa, Tony LaRusa last summer, and then Darren Pang, Keith Kachuk, Bernie Federico during the hockey season. And I think moving forward, it'll just be more conversations. Maybe Brad and I, I love it. hanging out, our version of Beyond Brad. Is that still a thing, Beyond Brad? I would love that. So this used to be called Baseball and Beyond, but when I first started it as a an idea to just do interviews. I wasn't able to do as many interviews as I wanted to, so Martin was gracious enough to promote it on your News Talk vehicle on KTRS, where you've come full circle. And I called it Baseball and Beyond, and, and he said, well, we should do something, but maybe I'll just call it Beyond Brad. Beyond Brad. Makes so I think that's, it's very telling, because it's like, there's Brad, which is great. That's enough. But now we're Beyond Brad, because he's sitting next to the mayor of St. Louis, or Fast Eddie, or whatever. Well, Triad Bank or so, Offenberg Hyundai, you never know. I was going to let you plug your sponsors here, of course. <laughs> Masses Restaurants, my title sponsor. We're not worried about them right now. We're here to talk about Martin and sponsor. But now it's called Here's the Pitch. And really the only reason we're doing this today is so I pitch that I could be part of Scoops. Okay, so that's do, the pitch. But we're going to... It's baseball you. heavy, right? You're a baseball guy through it is, and through. It is, but there's some... Like, I just interviewed Art Alexakis from Everclear. And we talked about the songwriting process and making it big. That's sort of where I want to go. You know what? But us, go ahead. You were going to say, I don't want to interrupt I, the I, I don't want to ruin. This is a pitch. I've already ruined the whole show, but I was in the gym the other day. Aha, uh -huh, you were at the gym. And Everclear was on. And I got in my car and I Googled top hits because I was like, what was that one? Father of mine. And I'm like, everything is wonderful. And I'm like, good life. I was, so I was in my head, I'm going, God, they really crushed like it for a minute. Yeah. And so I go online, I'm like, wow, that was them? That was them? Well, if you want to hear, I will, listen, I will listen to that. It was pretty interesting. Is he sitting at Fast Eddie's on a camera or no? He was in a New Jersey hotel getting ready to start a solo tour. Okay. So uh, I thought it was, and it was fun because like you said, you start looking these guys up. And what I found out, what was great about that was you forget that MTV was still big. So yeah. in mid-90s, they needed some videos. Here comes Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, then Everclear, Toadie, all these 90s rock bands that we grew up on. So I know Lo that's why. Love uh, the music of Everclear. Okay. So we'll talk more about Fast Eddie's Triad Bank, Offenberg Hyundai. Sure. In fact, Matt Offenberg was scheduled to be here, not necessarily on the show, but for lunch. And uh, I'm not sure where he is, so my mom is here. So we did talk a little bit about the radio business. Y you seem to be like me, where you don't enjoy management kind of muddling up the waters. It seems like you've done this a long time. Back when I was producing television, I felt like I had done it enough to sort of know what's good and what's bad, but you always get some guy from out of town who comes in, or maybe some guy from in town, maybe like KFNS Radio, that <laughs> gives you a reason to start changing the way. How do you work and deal with that at this age, where you, I don't want to say you know it all, but you do know what works, what doesn't work, and then you've got some guy Let's say a guy named John Hadley. Yeah, for example. For example. Well, I will say by way of background. So my dad was a doctor, and he would have these, and my parents were divorced. I grew up with my mom, but my dad lived in Denver. He lived in Seattle. lived in San Antonio. And I would always say to my mom, like, God, dad had a great job. Well, yeah, he's moving to Denver. And I would find I got old enough, I would ask her, like, why is he always moving? You know? And, and I, I just painted him in a terrible light. 
a really smart guy, successful, but he couldn't stand some of the people he worked for. And so I'm like, Dad, and I'm like in my 20s, I'm like, Dad, you got to just stay with one spot and get along, find a way to get along, and then look at me in the radio world going from one to the next because I can't stand micromanaging maybe or I, honestly I would say more nonsense when it gets to be nonsense I leave I left KTRS a couple of years ago and they were great I shouldn't have left I mean I shouldn't have and they said hey we wish you the best you've been great we I, love having I'm you I'm sorry but I have to stop you you had to know that at some point sports radio 590 bandwidth was going to become nonsense well and <laughs> I will say because that's just sort of what that is no, right? I mean, well the appeal it's fun well, but the appeal, I mean Charlie Marl and I sit at the office at night Chuck's like my little brother, and we're just talking about stuff. And he's like, "We should do a show. We should do a show. We should." Just and like so, me. And I was like, "Yeah, let's do a show." Uh, and then we started. I mean, within two days, it's like, "Well, what if we change this? Change it? like, oh my god!" But and none of this is that interesting to people at home. But I think it is. There was a reason I wanted to do that, even though I knew the history of the signal and the channel and all the stuff that goes with it. And Dan Caesar has chronicled it. Um, it's a fun environment. It's just at some point you're like, I can't put up with the headaches or whatever. And I think historically, like I was saying, my dad, you know, I mean, when I was in fifth grade or sixth grade, I quit the basketball team and the coach called me. This is going to make me sound like a total ass, which is fair. And he called me and said, well, and my mom's like, you got to keep playing. What do you quit for? And I would just kill my kid if he said that. I'm like, you're on the team. Get over there. And the coach called me and I said, I think we have philosophical differences. I'm like, what an a-hole. I was like in sixth grade, I think. Shouldn't have quit the team. I went back to the team. So really, it's I got to say, it's not Hadley or Fudd. It's me. I'm the problem. I, I am the same. Thanks, Brad. I'm going to take this. No, I'm just like a sit on the couch. I have the same problem. I, I don't, sometimes I just can't handle someone from not here coming in and trying to tell me what Cardinal baseball should look like for 30 minutes before the game. And that happened a lot. And yeah. I didn't understand um, and now I look back and I'm like, uh, maybe I could I could have listened a little more. And I do think there's like I used to do the pregame. I produced the pregame for a long time in case people didn't know what, what I'm talking Google about. Google them, okay? Uh, His firing might come up. I don't know. But I uh, thought I thought for me I just did, I wanted to see flashbacks and old stuff. Now sometimes like even Danny Mac would go, well, do we really need to see a 1984 clip with Neil Allen giving him three runs or whatever? And I right. said, eh, I think it's fun. But, right. So I well, I think there's plenty of smart people. And all of us, you, me, should be open to constructive criticism. And I will say on the TV side, I am really lucky because there is a lot of micromanaging. I hear it from people, friends of mine around the country, other stations. Oh, they're making me do this, they're making me do this. And my boss, Audrey Prywich, has kind of said, you know, I trust your decisions. If we got a big show coming up, she's like, what do you think we should do? And we kind of talk about it. And it, there's times when she's going to say, I, I want to do this different. And I say, okay. But on the whole, she's kind of trusts me, and it, it's great to have somebody who says, I like most of your decisions, and that's hard to find in TV and radio. You could work at ESPN or Fox Sports, and you could be at a high level, and there's probably still somebody who calls your emails you have and said, yeah, I really didn't like that one segment, and they're like, ah. But right. we're all extremely sensitive as part of the problem. It's very true. Uh, we're at Fast Eddie's. Um, Again, he would be funny if he were here. One day we'll have to get him over. The Mike Shannon stories alone, because and, that, and that's Eddie, where I was going. Well, it's not just commercials; they're really tight. So Mike Shannon, you have a pretty good relationship with him. I used to work with him a little bit, um, and I have some stories I may share here to get you to laugh a little bit. 
Um, but just the, this guy, you've told the story a, a thousand times. He could literally pull up to center field, put his car out there, and then Tony would just say, "Could you do your Tony?" Got to play around it. No, no. I mean, I, I. And the funny thing about that is, I, it was always my running joke that Shannon has the run of Bush Stadium, whether it's the umpires or the Cardinals or the visiting team. And I said, if he parked his Suburban in center field, the umpires would grab Tony, what do you and just play around it. And they would. And then the other day during a spring training game, did you see it? Yes, there, the was van a, was there was an air conditioning van driving on the, what do you call the thing? Morning out track. The morning track. Yeah. I, I'm not in baseball mode it's yet. Fine. The warning track. Spring and they, training for both. They had to kind of delay that inning starting. It was hilarious. And it would have only been better for me if it was Shannon saying, I ain't going all the way around. I'm just cutting through here. And it would have fulfilled my long time impression of what would take place at a game. But do you, do you have a favorite, I'm sorry, you have a favorite I, Shannon? I, I just thought of something loosely, this is all tangential, but I got a call from Jay Randolph, senior one day. This is recent. And I- By the way, lives in my neighborhood. Humble brags. And, but he never calls me. So I'm thinking he's, you know, mid eighties, it's a mistake. And then he called me like three times in a row and I'm like, must have accidentally, he's looking for Marvin, his best buddy, to go to the track, you know? And I'm like, why am he? So then I finally, he leaves a voicemail and says, I need you to call me. I'm like, okay. And this is as confusing as it gets. It says, Martin, Jay Randolph, Seniors. Mr. Mr. Randolph, how are you, sir? Who is the person you work with? The sports guy with an R. And I said, Rich Gould? No, 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 not Rich. I said, well, there's Rich, there's me, and there's Charlie. Well, Mike Shannon needs to talk to the one with the R. And I said, Mike Shannon? He said, Shannon called me and said, hey, see if Martin can get a hold of so-and-so. And I said, so-and-so? He said, enter the R. I said, um, I said, Randy Naughton? He goes, that's it, because Shannon and Randy Naughton get along really well. So I say, oh, you mean Randy Naughton? And then Jay said, you tell him, get on the phone. I'm like, well, it's a hurry. He goes, well, he needs to call Mike. This is the closest I'll ever get to Abbott and Costello. Mike Shannon calls Jay, who's like 85, to call me to look for that guy with an R. And I'm like, Randy Naughton, it's a she, not a he. Call Mike. So I called her and said, what's it about? I said, I don't want to know, and I don't know. This is why we miss you on the radio. You can't tell that on John Carney's show. When there isn't ever... enough time. Right. My, so my, People I, have already clicked off. My, see, I want to get Email your... Brad or text Beyond Brad if you made it this far. Here's, here's the... Pitch is there a way? With Brad at gmail.com. Okay, here's the pitch. With Brad. It's a long name, but Oof. yeah. Mike Shannon, so he would do pregame hits for the, for the show every every game. And every once in a while he would call me, which was always as a kid growing up, having Mike Shannon, just seeing Mike Shannon on here. So I was driving to a concert in Riverport. We did the pregame. I'm driving, and uh, it's about the ninth inning. And I'm in a car full of buddies, and the phone rings, and it says Mike Shannon. I'm like, oh, my God, look at And we're listening to yeah. the game. And I'm like, how? I have to answer this. Like, I'm not putting this one right. in voicemail. What is this? So I hear, Mike Shannon calls, you answer. <laughs> I hear, here's the 1-0 pitch, swing, and a miss, 1-1. One one. Hey, Brad, I just want to see if you'll have a camera over in the dugout. Dusty Baker said 4 o'clock, so be in the dugout around 4 o'clock. Hold on a second. Here's the next, swing, and a miss, 1-2. <laughs> so, Brad, 4 o'clock, tell the cameraman to be there. And you know, there's a smidge of a delay. So we turn it up and you hear him go, one, two, pitch. So I got a miss. He's hitting Called the you cough, mid pitch. The cough, but his mind was thinking, I better call Brad. 
I thought that was interesting. I that, love that. I was excited that he would call, but I've also had him yell at me a few times. Have you ever had Mike Shannon? I've never had him yell at, at me. You? No. But don't be on time if he says to be on time. It's my own. One time he came yelling at me with. A, I was. I was supposed to do some interviews. If you were late for Mike Shannon, you should be yelled. It was at. my problem. I, I was, probably shouldn't even be sitting here. I was in the uh, locker room talking to another player about doing something after this interview with Shannon, and we started. It took a lot longer than I expected. Here comes Shannon with an unpeeled banana. You tell me four o'clock. I'm gonna be there at four o'clock. I'm never doing this again. You can tell your 80s. Whatever he said, it was hilarious. And Isringhausen was still with the team, and he looks at me. He goes, "What the hell is that about?" Yeah. I think the unpeeled banana part was well, like, added you know, to it. You know, no, Mike. Mike is a true character, and Eddie again knows him better than anybody. Well, not anybody, but among the people who know him as well. For me, just being back a St. Louis guy, I went to CBC, being around Mike, getting to do stuff with him, stories and otherwise. Uh, when I first came back, I had to call Jack Buck. And Joe will tell the story. Everybody knows our number. It was 965 Buck or 969 Buck. And he'd answer, oh, it's Mr. Buck. And he would, I'm like, oh my God, I just called Jack Buck. And then one of the nights I'm down there doing a live shot at five o'clock and it's raining and my guest doesn't show up. And Jack Buck is sitting in the dugout at the old bush. And I go over and I said, Mr. Buck, I'm on the air in like two minutes. Is there any way you could just join me? He goes, as long as you tell me who stiffed you. And I go, I think Jockety was going to go, that's all right, I'll fill in for Walt, as long as it's not some scrub. And I was like, this is awesome. He's, and it, I always the best. got to know him a little bit as a young guy, and he was so good to me. But he always had a funny little, I remember, we, I saw him in Atlanta. Oh, hello, Mr. Buck. How, how, you know, I was 18, whatever. There's a lot of pretty girls down here, huh? What do you think? I just think <laughs> to hear Jack Buck say that as a kid, I'm like, I like him. I like, and Joe Buck told the story on this podcast, of course, about, you know, he was promoting his book that, you know, they'd have parties at the house, Jack and Carol, and it'd be Stan Musial, it'd right. be Bob Hyland, it'd be Mike Rorty, and these people would come over, and then they'd have the piano, they, uh, we'd hire a piano guy, and, they yeah. had, and I said to Joe, I said, I don't, that doesn't, you know, Sebastian Maniscalco does this sort of bit where that just doesn't happen, people don't have dinner parties and a piano player, I, I just would have loved to go back in time, if someone says go back in time, it'd be going to a Jack Buck party where there's a piano being Well, played. either go back in time or have an old friend. And so when Dick Ford turned 80, they threw a party at his house and they had a piano player. And my wife and I, the lovely Kim, are at this party and somebody in the corner is playing Danny Boy and they're all singing. And I said, this is like the great Gatsby. I said, this is like, and I've just taken it all in and really was taking it all in. <laughs> But I said there aren't parties like that anymore. So it's our job as we get older to throw those parties. Let's do it. Me and you and Kim and Kat. Yep. Um, my other Jack Buck story, just because it's, it's my Is podcast. this segment about Brad or me? And I'm going to no. do something really rude. I'm just Check gonna, your phone. Well, I just want to see what time it yeah. is. Okay, we're good. Okay. I have to get my son from school. Well, the only other thing that I, I, same Jack Buck, I'm at Rams Park when Dick Vermeil was hired. You know, they had those meals where you go get the Chevys or the Chili's Outback or Outback or whatever. Woo. So I went because it was a you know, Wednesday free food. And I just sat at the corner of the table. And Jack Buck sat down across me. Son, do you mind if I sit here? Yes. Right. No. And then Dick Vermeil. Will you be on my podcast one day? Oh, I, I asked him to be on the case. But then Dick Vermeil came over and sat down. So it was the three of us. So I added a lot to the conversation. A couple of really seasoned vets. I enjoyed it. Um, you mentioned Dick Ford. You do impressions, so this is the part of the podcast where I'm going to ask for a few impressions. Uh, Dick Ford's kind of like the old man character. 
Um, they don't make. I've been accused that every voice I do is loosely the Dick Ford voice. Um, do you, do I need to create a situation for Dick Ford, or do you, can you just do it on the voicemail or something? Um, when when the Rams were getting good, I just remember him coming back to the sports office. I'm so old. I remember when they were the Cleveland Rams. I don't give a damn about LA. They were in Cleveland, and I'm like, were they really? I had to look it up. I'm like, oh, they were in Cleveland. Dick was also like a mentor and a friend of mine. And one of my stories, I've told him, my dad had died, and I'm out in Denver at the funeral, and there's the Rams actually sent flowers. It was like beautiful. Everybody was super nice, and there's a big bouquet from Dick and Gail Ford. They had been good friends, and he had retired the year earlier or something. So it really meant a lot. And my stepmom in Colorado doesn't know Dick Ford again. She said, look at all these nice people sending stuff. I said, it's unbelievably humbling. So maybe a month later, we're at Remy's Wine Bar in Clayton with some friends. And I see Dick and Gail Ford. And like I saw him, and I kind of got emotional because I'm like, I haven't seen him since my dad died. And it was such, and he sent a nice note and everything. So I go over, and I give him a big hug. And I was like, thank you so much sending the flowers and sending a nice note my whole family just was blown away and just it meant a lot and as he's hugging me and dick's like very matter of fact he goes eh, it seems you might be getting a little fat <laughs> and i just go really you took this moment to tell me i'm getting fat that's dick ford he was he's a newsman and he tells the truth tells, tells it like it is fair and balanced other news guy that you used to do radio with at, a, at later night and you would do an impression of larry connor's which is hilarious to me yeah, I don't know what it was. I mean, I think I would just blame Obama. With it. I didn't really have like a... You Larry, take your guns and... Uh, and another thing here, Obama wants your guns. Like, it would make just, me laugh every time. I just kind of had... That's all you had to end up with, Obama taking your guns, and I was like, book it. I like how Larry would say, book it. It felt very much like Kojak back in the day. Me and, book my, it. Me and my wife were out, again, a story about me, uh, at Napoli, and he was stalking the table a little bit in a, in a hat. He was always wearing a hat. And he saw Napoli. you, you mean? I don't know him, but he was checking out my wife and like very kind of... Well, this is a very offensive story for a legendary newsman. Yeah, he was checking her out. I felt good about it. You felt complimented. Yeah, Larry Connors likes my wife. Book it. All right, you're uh, known for Tony, Tony LaRusso. Which, by the way, I honestly, I don't think it's that good of an imitation as far as... Yeah, but now people who do it do you doing it, which is the highest. It's like when George Bush, everyone's doing Dana Carvey doing... Right. Now when people do Tony, they're doing your Tony... Basically, yeah, and, and he last year said, basically, like all the muttering. Really, is that me? And I'm like, well, that's kind of what I based it on. <laughs> but the whole, the genesis of like the radio show, Ask Tony, where people would call in, and I had to spit out an answer. The whole origin of that was Cam Wax on Sunday mornings, and he would take everyone's call to his credit, and it didn't matter how asinine the call was. He treated them with great respect, which he does. He loves the fans, and whatever their input is, he'll take it to heart. You're my input, no interest. But they would, oh, Tony, I think that the guys should be bailing hay. They'll get stronger in the winter. And I'm listening, wow, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then, uh, yeah, just, I'm going to probably call Walt when I hang up here. And uh, that's, not, that's a really legitimate idea. And I'm like, oh, no, and that's kind of how it all started. And from there, just more like things he would say. And I, I, heard him once like invert a name and I just it stuck with me and so I started referring to Fox 2 as to Fox as if that's what he said he never said that that still goes on I work with news reporters who are 10 years younger than me like they go oh, here at the two Fox here I'm like 
how is that a thing? I was part of a little joke early on with Ask Tony that he called me the guy from the Two Fox, and it stuck. And the scoops of Danny Mac uh, podcast that you do, you do a Tony thing. You do that again this year, I would assume? We're or? talking about doing some. We did it every week last year. He's busier now. I'm busier. We're going to see if we can do something. He likes you, though. I mean, he really, you can tell by these interviews. Well, maybe not. No, I But he does. You we do have, have a good relationship. Okay. But, um, yeah, I would I was trying. Everything I was thinking was negative. I'm like, well, that's not a good story. That's not. <laughs> I will tell you, he had just retired. Was he looking at your wife like Larry Connors? No, there was. Okay. It was. Uh, he had just retired, and there was an event at like Cafe Napoli, and we were supposed to tape something early, and it just didn't work. And I texted like, "We'll catch you later, no big deal." And he calls. He says, "Hey, come on over. I got Jimmy. I got Izzy. We're at Ed, you know, we're at Napoli. And I was with my mom and my wife." And I said, "No." I just, he goes, "Hey." Did I stutter? And I go, well, normally you do, but um, but he insisted that we go there and meet him, and it was very complimentary. Like he, I was like, you got your friends, I got my friends, it's okay. Uh, but we went, and we had a great time, and had some wine, and great stories, and it just so happened the night we were sitting there, Jeff Fisher is in the corner of the restaurant as the Rams head coach, interviewing Rob Ryan, who looks like the dude from the Big Lebowski. It was like all these weird things going on at once, so I. It was a nice compliment. So we get along well, but you got to give Tony his space too. Now another impression. I know we have a little less, little less time here, but do we? I mean, I, well, I have all the time in the world. <laughs> You're busy. I'm Brad's going to be interviewing the bartender in a few minutes. Uh, what's your mom doing? Is she going to be here for a while? Kevin Demoff, you do a wonderful Demoff impression. See, I don't even think I do. I just kind of, it's like more it. of a, it's more base, you when you it's more of a tweet. Smithers, right. like, well, we feel all of our fans deserve a first-tier experience, not just the players on the field. It's just kind of a Smithers-ish, Monkey being the Mr. Burns. You were pissed when that all went down. I mean, I felt like you were genuine. I know Randy Carriker was pissed. But I felt like you were really mad, and I, you, you were there in Houston when they made the vote, and you said there was a point at the end of the night where you'd had a few drinks, you and Jim Thomas, and you wanted to see. He, he came, came up over, and talked. Yeah. Tell us well, that story a little bit. The night was over. Well, the other thing was when the press conference happened, and we all kind of knew what was going to go down for the most part, but and Frank got an early question, Pissimano, and that was when Stan said, all right, go to see you again. You know, give me a break. But I'm, you know, three rows deep, and you finally get your chance. And that's when I said, why didn't you ever engage in the process? And I said it, I guess, in more of a hostile tone. I wish I'd been more rude at the time, in hindsight. And a lot of people said, I love how you kind of were rude to him. I'm like, I could have been a lot more rude. And I said, why did it was all, I said, don't tell me about your flunkies, Demoff and Bornstein, these guys. So then later, we're going to do live shots, and we're all lined up in a row, and Jim Hill is from L.A., been there forever, sports guy. And I, I do like a quick tease, and we'll be right back in Houston. We go to the break, and he goes, hey, brother, I know you're hurting right now. You're really hurting inside. And I said, no, no, I said, you don't understand. I said, I don't care about anything. I'll be fine. But it pisses me off, these frauds, this league, and I was like really mad for the city and how it, not as mad as Danny Mac is, but I was mad about the situation. I wasn't like crying or hurt. I was mad about the process. And he's like, you'll get over it. There's some healing or whatever. And I'm like, Jim, thank you for your words of wisdom. And he meant well, but I was like, I'm not emotionally sad. I'm just pissed off. Right. I would yell at the radio when you and Frank would talk about, well, if they lose, you know, they go two and 14, the fans won't be there. And what will that mean for Stan? And I just Stan doesn't care. Doesn't care. He doesn't care if he's got forty thousand. He's got the WrestleMania. He'll have the Olympics. Like he's got the palace. He does not care if the team's bad. 
I mean, it doesn't matter even if fans show up because the PSLs are bought. It always just made me like they don't care about right, the no. team. So and that's what I always got frustrated, especially well, when I was a, I had season tickets for a long time, and I knew in 2010, like done. I'm not doing this until I get some sort of relief that they're staying. So, right. I mean, I, I did have one email throughout the whole process where a guy said, it's from St. Louis, he said, the way I look at it is we got 21 years of NFL football we wouldn't otherwise had. Sure, we cut a bad deal. We're not crazy about the Dome as a facility, but we had 21 years. Now, a lot of those were bad years, but he basically said we had to cut a deal with the devil to get them, and now we lost them, but it's 21 years of football we wouldn't have otherwise had. I haven't heard that from a lot of people, but it was interesting. You think there's a book, Jim, or you could write? Because you were... You were doing the games, and you had Fox 2, so you had the Rams connection with the NFC. You've, you've told some great stories before. I mean, is there a book in there about just like, spags taking down pictures <laughs> and just the kind of the goofiness uh, that uh, went on? Yeah, there, there, it was always a weird building. Maybe the league is just weird because the more owners' meetings you go to, there's a lot of weird people, and maybe people that are really wealthy are weird. I'd like to find out. I'd like to be really wealthy and really weird instead of just being really weird. But... I think there's maybe a Jim probably be better suited to write it than me. And I know a lot about Rams Park. I know a lot about the building. The 30 for 30. I think Jim, from being real tight with Mike Martz, would be great. I mean, I was at times, but that's some great insight, too, about how things got real squirrely because, you know, Mike was there when things were getting nutty. And then the Fisher stuff, Fisher was great to deal with, but that's right when everything was kind of the ball was rolling and, you know, Demoff. You know, I, I've never been fired in my life. I've quit a lot of jobs. And the only thing I guess I could technically say I got fired was preseason Rams football. And it was after Frank Usman and I were doing radio, and we were just tattooing Spagnuolo and Devaney. I've told the story. But basically for firing all the personnel in the building, all the people that had worked there forever. And I went on this rant about how stupid it was. So I get a text from Kevin Nemo. He said, next time you want to rip apart the Rams, make sure you include me. And I said, will do. And that's all I said. And I told my boss, I said, this won't end well. And it didn't. It's a fun text. I did. I, I direct messaged Kevin right after the move was announced. And I said, because my boss, Spencer, had worked really hard for that Rams relationship to work. And I said, if you have any decency at all, you will reach out to him with a phone call, an email, whatever you have to say for yourself, you owe him that. You don't owe me anything. I said, you owe Spencer Koch some sort of comment of some kind. Never happened. Of course not. I mean, there was like two what-if moments. What if Dick Vermeil stays, but Martz leaves, so who knows? What if Martz kind of doesn't go crazy? And then what if Georgia doesn't die? I mean, she's going to die sooner or later, but who knows what happens, right? I mean, if she stays alive and is alive in 2016, she's probably got the team. I mean, you know, if she stays 90. Yeah, I would say in Martz didn't go crazy. I think the building was crazy. I think John Shaw was running it from LA and you had, it was just kind of a dysfunctional building and it always was, you know. We'll get into that in segment two, which will be live from Offenburg Hyundai or Triad Bank, potentially. Is it, is it? Oh, good, excellent. Yeah. Last this is great. You have a second for one? Well, let's see, hold on, I gotta look at carpool. Of the clock. I gotta check my math here on my carpool. No I'm one's not, ever wrapped me, but that's fine. Uh, don't, don't be offended. All right. I'm not important, my son is. I'm gonna wrap now, but I'm curious, your thoughts. Uh, this is the last topic, by the way. It was going to be the last topic. Brad has notes. Far right. That's actually Bernie's, for Durko's notes over there. Uh, that I t- anyway, um, I, what do you think of this Cardinal angst? The, the fan angst? Um, kind of the, the the message the team gives? You know, when Tony was there, it was always, you go to spring training, well, we're going to win a World Series. Tony leaves, now the message is, we're going to compete. 
and try it. It feels different. I know it's a different time. But is the angst, I mean, they just went to the playoffs, went to the NLCS, of course, didn't do well, did nothing this offseason. Is it warranted? Is it like we're just kind of the Green Bay Packers of the of the uh, Major League Baseball, so then there's no, you know, we're always up their butt to kind of do something and win right. 90? What, what is your I, I think I think it's percentages. I think a third of the Cardinal fans love everything they do, and they have a stubby clap salt and pepper shaker. You know, they're just a third that they can do no wrong. They win 70 games. Well, they tried hard, and a lot of those people go to the games and are like really ardent supporters. I think there's about a third who are really into social media and Twitter, etc., and who are really negative and nothing's good enough. And then there's kind of the middle that said, "Yeah, it was kind of fun. We beat the Braves, but yeah, the Braves always lose in the playoffs." And boy, I wish we could do more. I think there's a great middle that we don't hear from a lot. You have the fans we make fun of that are just anything Cardinals, and the fans who hate everything they do. And I think because it's be we, we've given so much attention to that loud base that's upset, I think the Cardinals almost now dismiss it all. Whereas some of it's constructive, and some of it is you could be more aggressive. You could make a deal at the deadline. You could go out and sign a big name. Why not? I think it's almost easy now to dismiss that noise because it's become so negative from a smaller percentage. Yeah. Well, we had a lot to get to. One of the favorite things you used to a say A lot to show, get to. I'd always... It was a big lot. You'd let me call in and just... And I'd, I have to go, Martin. i got a lot to get to right now. A lot now, to so. get to. We, uh, I think we got to a lot. We did, and I have a lot Is more. that what Brett Holt said? We got to a lot. I have a lot more here. So we, we went to do it got, in part, right? Sure. We'll do this again. Is that right? But right. I'm not with my mom, going to pick up my kid, waiting for Fast Eddie. We'll so, do it. It was an attempt here. Video podcast. I appreciate Martin being my guinea pig for this. That'll do it for Here's the Pitch. Of course, Mass is the title sponsor. Go visit them. And thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.